Okay. Can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order. I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls or Use the promo code SOBERGIRLS at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash SOBERGIRLS for $10 off. Now we know that finding the perfect non-alcoholic drink and symptoms feel like a major challenge, but we've discovered something that's about to knock your socks off and your taste buds too. Go Brewing. Did you know Go Brewing was rated number one, number one, Michaela, for non-alcoholic beer in the country, and rightly so. Fun fact, all of their beers fall under the gluten-free guidelines, so you won't get that gross bloated feel that you sometimes can get when you're drinking, let's be honest. Plus, all their brews without fruit have less than one gram of sugar. Because we want to feel sexy and sober and have fun, Go Brew is the perfect choice for us. And who says beer isn't sophisticated when you could just put it in a champagne glass like I do? My favorite at the moment is the Sunshine State Tropical IPA from Go Brewing. It's the mango and peach flavor. As a listener, you can save 15% by going to brewing.com slash sobergirls or by using the code sobergirls. Plus, get a free two-day shipping on orders of $40 or more. Again, go to brewing.com slash SoberGirls or use our code SoberGirls for 15% off. Hi, guys. Welcome Yay. to Choose Sober Girls podcast. My name is Erin, and I'm interviewing the gorgeous, amazing Michaela today. And um, we're going to hear a little bit about her story. So, Michaela. Yeah, I'm so excited. You know, we've never fully done this, like debriefing the two of us, which I'm like, I have questions. This is a lot of fun to get this to is know a lot each of fun. other. Yes. And just a little background. So when Mikhail and I met, I thought it was like the coolest thing because I'm in recovery. Um, so obviously I don't drink. And Michaela's like, yeah, I, you know, I stopped drinking too. And I was like, oh my God, we're like so aligned in so many ways. Yes. And um, I just find it so fascinating. And I love your story, the parts that I know. And I want to, you know, kind of dive in there. Beginning with my love, um, what led you to use drinking to go? Mm. Like what okay. got you here? What got me here? Well, I think it's important to start in the beginning because what got me Mm -hmm. here was a lot of trauma as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up in Slovakia. I moved to the States when I was 12. But between that time, I, 
you know, we had a pretty good life. I mean, looking back now, I realized we didn't have much, but it was, it's yeah. just what you, you know, compared to other families, like we were fed, we were clothed, we, we had the right. things, we had tons of love mm. and there were some things that happened um, at the age of like six or seven, I believe a lot of that stuff gets blurred out as trauma mm-hmm. does, as you realize. Yeah. Um, and what happened was, I mean, I was a very shy, I was very shy as a kid, but I knew I was, I had something special. And I think it was more like mm-hmm. this energy thing that I had. Yes. And yes. luckily my grandma would always say like, you, you have a gift, you have something inside of you. Right. Oh. And so like, I, I was always aware of that, but I felt like I could never express it to anyone because, you know, kids talk about kid things and I was very mature. Um, I always hung out with like adults and older kids. And I was right. not really a child, really. My mom even said I was very quiet. I was like very think, you know, into my thought. Yeah. Anyway, um, living there, I had my brother who was five years younger. We were best friends, um, mm-hmm. truly, truly best friends. Mm-hmm. And for a few years, my mom moved to the States. So she um, ended up moving here and um, she got the green card and all of that. But I was with my grandma for about two mm-hmm. years. And I remember like getting packages sent, but I just had that disconnection there, which I think yeah. also was traumatic for a kid. Right. But I knew it was for a good purpose. And I remember the night before we were moving to America, like I could not sleep. I was so excited. And I had this vision of America of like Beverly Hills, 90210. I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Heck yes. And that's what I thought I was going into. Like, I was like, wow, I, I love you. Wait. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, this is gonna, you know, mansions and, and, right. and beautiful people. So anyway, I was 12 and, and we come here and it was like, and, and by the way, to preface, like I, in, in Europe, I used to dance. Um, I used to compete in ballroom and Latin dances. My aunt was like a champion and, and she lives in Germany wow. now. She's like, does dancing with the stars, like all of that. So that was like oh a gosh. big cool. part of me of entering this character and being glamorous yeah. and mm-hmm. on makeup and hair. And, and that's a, still a really big part of me. I think dance has really shaped me. Um, to be in touch with my body, but also to judge it as I was older. Right. So I think I remember like, I was like seven or eight and I'd be like, Oh, I have like, I was never fat ever, but like, I would have like tiny little belly and probably a little bloating. And like, I was like, Oh, that's ugly. You know what I mean? Like, because like, you just like, when you're in that culture of dance and always like, okay, like, how are you looking? It's like, it impacts you as a child, Of course, you know? Of course. So that was, that's one thing. So trauma that connects. Then I Mm. moved here and I spoke no English. Oh my goodness. I came to sixth grade and I remember girls are, that's when like girls are coming into themselves and one is wearing lipstick and this and that. And I was like wearing hand-me-downs and I spoke no English and here inside I'm like, but I'm special. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like like this thing. And, but anyway, I made it through, I worked really hard again. I knew this was a traumatic experience because I don't remember much about it. My mom yeah. was like, you would come home crying. I don't remember that. Oh, babe. I said it was so oh. hard for you. You, you know, you said nobody liked you. You were, you know, like all of this, but by seventh grade, I made a shift where I learned. So I learned English in six months, like no accent, like Whoa. insane. 
I had, I was like in high honor rolls, um, high honor roll, like by seventh grade, I was doing really well in like math and, and like all the things, the only thing like I focused on was English because so when you go to school in Europe, their education is more hardcore and they really sit with you to learn things and, um, a little bit different. So it's, it's way more disciplined. So I had that, I didn't have to work much over there. Amazing. So, but the thing that I worked at was like becoming like everybody else. Right. So mm. now I, I found a group, you know, a group of my girlfriends, which to this day, we're still very good friends. And that became my, you know, my, my, my group. And we, we yeah. lived closer to each other, but one of the things, um, which is no longer, the thing, but like, we used to just drink all the time. And I was like 13, mm. 14. Yeah. And also on top of that, I would smoke um, marijuana. Mm-hmm. I remember I first smoked, I was 13 and I was so proud of it. And like, <laughs> because I was, I was like, wow, now I'm like accepted. Yeah. You know, you can do it. Right. I, I, I have friends and I, yeah. I speak English and I, I started working. So like, I was working so hard at like 14 and I'd get my own clothes and I would buy my own, you know, Jordans wow. and sneakers. Like I would Amazing. have brand new things all the time. So I wow. always was looking at outside things to like film. Yeah. And yeah you know, that worked and it made me happy for a little bit, but like, you know, I would still go home and at home, it was more like, you know, my mom raised three kids with, um, Mm. without their father, um, all on her own. And many times Mm. she was very stressed and I was the oldest Mm -hmm. and I was also sensitive and I took Mm. on so much shit. Mm -hmm. And so I was always looking to escape because it was very hard. And didn't know what kind of moods we're going to be in. You know, I always want that peace, like you said in the other episode. And I crave that peace. And I felt that peace when I was with my friends and escaping my feelings. Yes. But that also, um, that also led me to always sort of be out of alignment from home and I would get kicked out constantly. And, um, you know, with my friends, we were never like a bad, like we never got into like heavy drugs or were bad. We just kind of did our own thing, you know, we yeah. were like dated boy, like, which is a stupid shit, yeah. you know? Um, and so we, anyway, so that, that was my thing. Um, and, but yeah. at 16, 17, I developed an eating disorder. I overheard mm. somebody close to me throw up in the bathroom. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Mm. I'm like, what does that do? I didn't, I didn't ask, but I just, I was like, wow. But then she lost a lot of weight. And I, I would say at that time I had maybe, I never watched my weight right. when I was here. Like, I was just like, Oh, like I was like thick, you know, I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, we were in that culture right. where it's like hip hop. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Yeah. And, but then that like lit something up inside of me. And so at this point I was drinking and I was numbing Um, I was still doing good in school, um, that I could always manage. Um, but I was like taking naps and, and, you know, classes and like just drained. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just crazy. I did not take care of my body at all. And I always Mm -hmm. say like, I might have this lifestyle now, but I was a complete opposite person. So, um, I, so I developed, so on top of drinking, then I developed an eating disorder and that one went on for about six years. Um, I didn't speak mm. to anybody about it. I, nobody had, yeah, nobody had an idea. And mm. 
when I was 21, I had a breakdown and, you know, it was like a true breakdown where I had to go to the hospital and I was put on meds. And I think, you know, it was one of the hardest things because your image gets shattered and you're like, ah, but, and then Mm -hmm. at, at the same time, I didn't care. And I was like, all right. I felt like I had to start over. Yeah. So it was very hard. It was, that was like my lowest point, you know, um, I lost friends. I lost my car. I lost my phone. I lost my freedom. And at 21, I became a citizen and, um, my grandma was here and we decided that it was best for me to go to Europe for two months. So I went to Europe over the summer and I remember I was alone and I was quiet. And I remember like going to my grandma's, like she had this like green, um, thing in in front of her house and I would go there and I would write Mm. and I would just write like I I probably wrote like 20 cds and and those but it was like mean things like I was just like just like kind of like rapping getting it out just getting it out I came back I got a job and I slowly started to get my life back I I found yoga so I I I found Mm. Um, somebody doing it. And I was like, that's weird. What are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm doing yoga. It helps me like with something. And I was like, oh, okay. But it never left my brain. And I was like, I was always going to New York. It was funny. I was always dreaming of a lifestyle where like Mm. I would be on my computer and like I would be at a cafe and writing on my laptop, which I do now, but I I don't do that without having anything to do. I would just be researching things, but I would go to the city to like have this feeling And I went to Barnes and Nobles. I bought a yoga book. I put it on and I taught myself how to do yoga for, for a little while. And it was good. I didn't talk to anybody about it. It was just like, okay. And then I started going out. So it went from Mm -hmm. like, you know, a young teen, like young adult to like now I'm in my twenties and got myself, got my like image back. And, but I started going out into the city. So Mm -hmm. now that led into like, oh, like I sort of have my life together or I'm figuring things out and it's okay. And I mean, the drinking, the blackouts, the Mm. um, constant, like, I mean, spending money on stupid stuff. And then I started traveling and then my habits would take me, I I would take my habits with me. And so like, now I look at these travels, it's such a waste of time. Like I'd go to these beautiful places all over the world and I would just drink like a fish, blackout, spend days in the bed, hungover. Mm. Right. And, but in in that time I was like really into yoga. So, and I've started to learn about meditation. And so like very little by little, my my perspective started to change. Mm. So, and then I think I was 26 or 27, my brother passed away. Mm. So my best friend, my everything, right. Um, Like we went through a lot together and he passed away um, um, drug overdose. Right. And it just made me realize like, wow, life is, life is freaking short. And Mm. I knew he never felt his feelings. And like, what if like I had to do something different? Um, even though I wasn't into hard drugs, although drinking was the gateway in the city, if mm-hmm. I was, and there was cocaine, I would sometimes, sometimes do it. Not all the time it was not, not, nothing that I like was in love with. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was either drinking or smoking and like, yeah. you know, so that sort of set wow. me back, but I'm, I'm really grateful for, 
my spiritual practice because I remember I felt closer to him than I ever have with his pureness and with his love. It was almost like this God presence. And to this day, I still advise with him Mm -hmm. on things or things like that. And it's like, you know, and of course it was hard. It was hard for my mom. It was hard for everybody. Um, But I, I took, I took it a little bit differently, you know, because Mm -hmm. of my knowledge or like the, the knowing about spirituality mm-hmm. and knowing that there's more out there mm-hmm. and that it's our bodies are just limited and we can't look yes. at it that way. Right. Right. So, you know, and, but by that time I didn't have an eating disorder, somehow it just mm. dissolved. So that Amazing. went away and I never sort of looked back. It's, I literally, I, I cured myself of it. I, I don't even wow. think about it right now. Uh, it, I don't get triggered by it. Um, I have a pretty, very healthy relationship with Mm -hmm. food. Thank God. Thank God. But Mm -hmm. I think it was through the yoga and the mindfulness. And then that led me into like, oh, if I eat this, then I feel this way the next day. So Mm -hmm. I started playing around with that and I got into nutrition Mm. and I decided to go to Institute for Integrative Nutrition at 29. So this was about three years after my brother passed and it was like really unlocking the code of true living. Mm. And about a year after that, I got pregnant. It was unexpected. Um, I got pregnant with my daughter who's almost six now. And Mm. that was the catalyst for me to completely transform everything because first of all, you cannot drink and, and be Mm-mm. happy the next day and, and thrive Mm-mm. as a mother. And I'm a single mom. I have been since mm-hmm. the beginning. And I just, you know, for me, spirituality, and I heard this, I think Gabby Bernstein said this, um, spiritual parenting is a spiritual, it's like the highest spiritual experience. It has you mm-hmm. look at things in your life and your yes. habits and things like that. And so I completely turned my life around. I, I started going to bed with her at seven, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. I would wake up early. I would get my time in to read, meditate, to work out, to have a smoothie. Mm-hmm. And I remember her being in my belly and I would meditate with her. And I'm like, I will teach all of this to you. And we're going to learn together. Right. Wow. And so to this day, like we meditate every night, we talk about nutrition, we talk about our Mm. feelings, we say, I, you know, I'm sorry, I forgive you sort of like, just this, you know, I felt like my light was dimmed a lot as a child. And so that's where my shyness came from thinking Mm. like, oh, I can't really express myself. So, and Mm. the only way I would express myself was when I had the confidence in having alcohol in me. Right, right, right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So Michaela, I did not realize how draining and energizing socializing can be in sobriety. There's a lot to unpack here. Just figuring out who you are, who you love to spend time with, and who you don't, and what activities, outings light you up, and which ones, well, just are a total energy drain and not worth it. There's so much pressure, stress, and guilt associated with our social calendar and maintaining relationships that at times it's so overwhelming and hard to navigate. I definitely struggled with this in early sobriety. Enter BetterHelp. Therapy that is so convenient, flexible, and works for everyone's schedule. It's helpful for adopting positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It also empowers you to be the best version of yourself. 
It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma, even though it helps with that too. I actually didn't realize how much healing needed to be done until I got sober. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I love about it is that it's entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sobergirls today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash sobergirls. So, but what happened as an adult, so it's like this transmutation, this alchemy that happens inside Mm -hmm. of us when we're open is I, because I, I, I started creating these habits, then they, they changed the way I felt and then they changed my life experience. And now I'm able to look back and forgive and do all of that. But, um, it's just, you know, life is a crazy ride. Life is a beautiful ride and it's, it's limited. Right. And so every single day I try my best to live it fully, to live it with Mm. love, to share my light and love in every way that I can, but also protecting my energy. Right. Yes. And, you know, since this is a podcast about drinking, but I think that's a big part of Mm -hmm. why I did and how I stopped. So I never went to AA. I healed myself completely through my practices and also through my connection to God and connection to something bigger than me. Um, my daughter as well. And when I remember when she was born till she was two and a half, I didn't drink at all. Even in my twenties, I would take like a year or two off Mm -hmm. a few times. I like, I could easily just like, and I would be like, in the city, like, you know, hottest nightclub dancing through the night, like sober Love it. many Love times, it. many times. Mm. And I felt amazing, you know, and then I'd be like, oh, like I felt good. And like, you know, knowing like everybody else, I didn't, I mean, it didn't feel good knowing that everybody else feels like shit, but just right. know that I have that control over myself. Yes. Yeah. So it's huge. Yeah. And then, but then within the, you know, COVID hit and, and then we started going out. So like I did drink maybe like 10 times, like a handful of times. And what happened was I was just like, this is, this is not doing it for Mm -hmm. me because my, my work, you know, as a health coach and uh, as a spiritual coach as well, Mm -hmm. now that I'm realizing like for, in order for me to feel really good and to be high vibe, I cannot have any toxins in my body. Right. And so I decided it was, it's almost like, I guess, five months. Um, I decided that I'm going to live alcohol free for the rest of my life. And that's it. That's all I did. Like, I just didn't think anything of it. I, I, I feel really good with my decisions. Um, throughout that time, I had a few conversations with people just to solidify this is, this is it. And, And that's it. That's, so that's my journey. I mean, okay, Michaela, my, it's, there's so many things that, I mean, it will take a lifetime to unpack, but one, thank you for being so open and honest, because what I've learned that your story will be used to touch millions of people, because it's how we relate to another person's trauma that we can say, oh my God, I went through that. I had an eating disorder. I, I you know, all of those things that we think we cannot overcome, yeah. we can, when yeah. we bring them to the light and we face them. And I loved too, I'm like thinking about your journey and how you had all this trauma, 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 like tremendous amounts of trauma. And you were just trying to um, cope and just like, you know, like push it down, push it down. So it wasn't as painful with the drinking and with being bulimic, it's a release. You know, you were trying to release pain by inflicting pain. 
alcohol is the same thing. We are trying to get rid of the pain and numb, but we're consuming pain. And that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, we're going to bring to light here. Mm -hmm. But once you started writing, it's like you were writing that trauma out of your body, like out of your DNA, because you just let it loose. And I love that you were like, like it was like a wrap and it was, you know, raw and real. And I, I think that is such a good takeaway for people listening. Just start being honest with yourself and putting pen to paper. Yeah. It's medicinal. Yeah. Because that pain has to go somewhere. And we think we can like keep it quiet for a while with these means of, you know, different addictions. It only grows until you get it out and you ripped it out. Um, You are one of the most phenomenal humans I've ever met. Holy (laughs) smokes. (laughs) Six months. You, I mean, six months, you were fluent kid. I, I, I yeah. Yeah. I didn't imagine that feeling and feeling so isolated. And- but I remember being like bullied in a way, like there was a lot, you know, that I yeah. don't sort of think day to day, but it, um, you know, it impacts you, it impacts your confidence and you have to work extra hard at it. And then, but now I just like, I'm like, I don't give a shit. And no. I also know that I create my own energy and I create who mm. I surround myself with and yes. it's all really good things. You know, and you're right. And that's a choice yeah. to protect your lifestyle too, because you're not going to cope. You're going to feel it and move through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that you're protecting your energy and like your daily practices, like so many of the things I've learned from you, I want to we'll dive into more because I think you have some really special ones that people don't know about. I'm like, all about routines. Routines give me something to do. And I know that it's, I get a reward from it. Right. So that's about habits. I have tons of resources on my website about habits and how to create a better lifestyle. And it's little by little, you know? Um, And it's, uh, it's what changed my life. And it's one of those things where I keep on adding to it, you know? So I I don't Mm -hmm. think I'll ever stop. No, we will yeah. never stop. We will only be improving and evolving. And I could really relate last thing about your daughter, because I feel like my children saved me because yeah. at the darkest hour of my addiction and what addiction does, it does rob you of all your joy. But I saw them and said, I have to stay alive for them because right now in my mind, my your mind will play tricks on you. Your mind is not your friend when you're in an addictive state. And you do, you do want death. There are times where you're like, Mm. just would be easier. And I was like, hell no, my babies need me. And I'm going to fight to be, to save myself, to save them. And like, same thing, like Amia came and you were like, I need to go up. I need to stay away from this poison away from that. Like this child needs me. We're going to journey together. I love what you do together. Uh, You have really impress that upon me. I want to do that more with my children. There's so many wellness we do together, but it's like, you know, even last night I was looking at her as she's sleeping and I'm like, what a mm. blessing is that I am. Yeah. So, you know, my mom had me when she was young and, you know, there was times where she would go out and come back late or whatever. And I was sort of by myself. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember this feeling of feeling so disconnected from mm. her and I didn't like it. And I was like, that's not fair. Like, you know, like, so now I'm looking at her and I'm like, every single night I'm with her, I put her to bed. It just feels so, so satisfying and knowing that I'm fulfilling her because, yeah. um, you know, the few times that I was, let's say hungover while she was, you know, like, this was like, even like last year, you know, we were on vacation and, um, I would wake up the next day. I'm like, Oh, mommy's tired. And it's like, she knew that that's not me, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah. that is not the real me. And let me get back to 
feeling complete yeah. and for to show her because our kids watch everything to show her yeah. that this is the true life that we should be living yes feel good and to have control over life and how things yes happen. well yeah. we do and and you know we're supposed to be happy I didn't mm-hmm. get that memo as a child like <laughs> yeah. vibrantly happy <laughs> and feeling great in our bodies and having energy and light in our eyes and like and having this hope you know that comes when we're living alcohol free and we're living connected to a higher power. And, you know, I just feel, you know, you just said something, the opposite of addiction is connection. And so that's what we all were created for because it's, we are created to be first connected to our higher power and then to one another. So when we feel disconnected, we're forgetting who we are Mm -hmm. and our inheritance. And so to model that for our babies, I mean, I'm thinking about what their lives will be because they're on this, they're mm-hmm. starting here mm-hmm. versus, you know, it, it might, you know, starting a yeah. later time, but catching up either way, um, either way. Well, and that's so part of life too. Painful. Like you're, they're going to yeah. like go yeah. in a direction. They're going to have to learn how to pick themselves up. So they'll still have that as a role model. So either way, I think it's amazing. It's amazing. But so, I mean, I could talk to you all day, yes. but so much more. This is why we're doing this podcast. Um, Thank you again for being so open and honest and And where can people find us? So yes, Erin is at recover Recover with with Erin, two ends, right? Links will be in the show notes and then on Instagram and TikTok for both of us. And then I'm at health with Michaela, um, also health with Michaela.com. And also we have a free Facebook group that we're going to start building out. Um, So it's two sober girls podcast. You can join in. And um, gets chatted with us, right? Yes. So Jump into the conversation. I'm so psyched too. Yes. Right, babe. I love you. Love Thank you. you. Bye, everyone. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.